This episode is sponsored by Podcast Movement 2016, coming to Chicago in July. Keep listening for more info on how you can join us. You're listening to the Podcast Movement Sessions. What's a podcast again? A podcast is uh, uh, you talk. Listening on podcast. <laughs> Look, I hate the word fans. Like, I don't hate a lot of things. I hate the word fans. If you're looking for a tip on Facebook ads or Twitter bombing or cold emailing or scripts or autoresponders, this is not your episode. Lou Mangiello is all about personal connection and building lasting relationships with the people he cares about, namely his listeners. I caught up with Lou's friend and Podcast Movement co-founder Jared Easley to talk a little bit more about what makes Lou so special and how he draws people to himself. One of the things I love about Lou is his people. <laughs> like I've been fortunate to hang out with Lou, and in this case, it was downtown Disney in Orlando. And of course, Lou does Walt Disney World Radio, so there's a lot of Disney freaks that are super into that show. And I know this, but when I'm hanging out with him in person in downtown Disney in Orlando, and he just speaks, people hear him around and folks walk up to him and say you're Lou Mangello it happened over and over again Brian and it was a super reality check I felt like I was with a celebrity and I, I think that's a big testimonial to uh, just the impact that Lou's having in the space of people who enjoy Disney like they listen to his podcast uh, a girl I went to high school with Brian her name's Jennifer uh, she emailed me and said oh my goodness I just realized that you know Lou Mangello and I'm sitting here thinking that's kind of funny because when I consider Lou, I, I I guess I think of Lou as like a friend now, someone that we're friends with via podcasting. But for people that are listening to his Walt Disney World radio show, they look up to Lou like Lou is, you know, a super celebrity and rightfully so because uh, Lou does amazing things in that community. Lou Mangiello is a master at converting podcast fans into real life friends and advocates. His talk from Podcast Movement 2014 gave us a look at why he's been so successful. And I created a little V Bulletin discussion forum in January 2004. And I remember the first night that I turned it on and it went live, 29 people signed up. 29 people signed up to be members of this discussion forum. And I was like, this is so cool. There are 29 other dorks sitting in their basement that love Disney World as much as I do. Like, I am not alone. These are my people. Like, I, because I didn't know, right? Here I am, I'm a 30-something-year-old guy. And I love Disney and I read all about it. And nobody in my law office, I can't go to court and go, yeah, who loves it? No. And I was like, wow, there are other people out there. Because there was no social media back then. And I thought I was alone. I thought I was, you know, the freak that, that thought about Disney and wrote about Disney and read about Disney everywhere that I could. 29 people turned into 100, turned into 1,000, turned into 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 60,000 people. And I was like, wow, like, there's something here. You know, I clearly am not alone. Lou grew up in New Jersey, but his family took regular vacations to Disney in Orlando. Even as an adult and practicing attorney, Lou couldn't quite shake the Disney bug and found himself retreating into his basement 
for regular shots of Disney magic via the newfangled internet. If you love Dungeons and Dragons and nobody at your school or your office or your church or if you went to the library, wherever it is that you went, if those people didn't love the thing that you loved, you did, you felt like you were alone. So when this weird online dial-up pays 300 baud modem thing started to happen, we went out looking for like-minded people. We wanted to see if there were other people out there and there were communities that came together because we wanted to find each other and create relationships with each other and then eventually go back offline and meet those people in real life. My experience of meeting people in person is pretty hit or miss. People are often not the way you expected them to be, and that can be a good thing. Like the time I met John Acuff. Or it can be a bad thing. Like the time I met Lou Perlman in his bedroom. But that's a story for another day. When I interact with somebody online, there's often equal parts excitement and terror when you consider the possibility of connecting in person. As podcasters, we can often be pretty introverted, which seems counterintuitive given that we willingly blast our voices across the world on a regular basis. But a microphone can be a comfortable buffer between us and real-life people. Or it can be a catalyst for lasting relationships. Lou has been willing to get outside of his comfort zone and embrace his listeners to make them his friends. If the story is taking online connections offline, so if that's the story, who is the villain? Who is the villain? That is interesting. I never sort of thought about it that way. Uh, every, every Disney story has a villain, Lou. You know, there's always the, you know, you've got the, the evil stepmother or something, you know. So who's the, who's the villain out there? Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's a, a villain as opposed to maybe people that just don't understand the importance of it. So maybe the accidental villains are the ones that think that connections and engagement and relationships take place, you know, via your thumbs on your mobile device or clicks on Facebook or likes or shares or hearts or follows or whatever it may be. We forget about the importance. Look, the reason why we're sitting here is because we you want to look into my eyes, you want to hear the story, you want to get the face-to-face. And I think we oftentimes forget about just how important that really is. Mm-hmm. So who's the hero? <laughs> the hero is... The guy or the girl, whether you have one listener or one reader or one follower or 100,000 that goes out and shakes her hand and gives him a hug and says thank you and looks in her eyes and hears their story. The reason why I started doing meetups before I even knew what the heck a meetup was was not for people to be able to come and meet me, but because I was everything I was doing was such a, a one-way push conversation. I wanted to meet them. I wanted to say thank you to them. I wanted to hear their story. I wanted to hear their questions and comments. So it was a way. It was really almost for selfish reasons that I wanted to, to, to start doing that. All right, so the whole Chicago Cubs going to the World Series, back to the future thing, didn't really work out the way we had hoped. But that's no reason for you to boycott Chicago, especially this July. Podcast Movement is coming to Chicago in July, and there's going to be over 100 amazing speakers headlined right now by Anna Sale of WNYC's Death, Sex, and Money. But there's going to be many, many more announced very soon. So make sure to watch out on the Facebook group, as well as you can follow Podcast Movement on Twitter by going to at Podcast Movement. So get your tickets now. Go to podcastmovement.com and join us in Chicago. You're going to want to get your hotel room quickly, too. It's going to sell out quick. In conversations I've had with Lou, he has a reoccurring theme of finding your people. In his 2014 talk at Podcast Movement, he shared with us how he found his people. 
I wanted that two-way conversation. So I said, look, you know what? I'm gonna be in Walt Disney World this day from this day. Let's just do, let's just meet up at the Japan, really, I talk for a living, the Japan Pavilion in Epcot, not even knowing what a meetup was. And again, my friends were saying, wait, time out a second. Like, they didn't, they didn't understand the talking to myself. They totally didn't understand. Like, wait a minute, you're gonna quit your job, drive down to Florida, and talk about Mickey Mouse for a living? And I'm like, yeah, isn't that cool? Like, you're a freak, you'll be back in six weeks. <laughs> now they're like, wait a minute. Now you're like, you're gonna go to Florida and meet up with these strangers on the internet and just meet them randomly for like, and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. They're like, you're gonna be dead in six weeks. WDW Radio has been named the best travel podcast nine years running, which is longer than most of us knew what a podcast was. This can be attributed mostly to Lou's raving following, who will happily promote his work. How can you tell if someone is a WDW Radio fan? Just give them a minute. They'll tell you. I would be going to Atlanta. I'd go to New York. And I said, well, listen, I'm going to be in New York anyway. Let's just go and have a meetup. Like, you know what? Let's just meet up in Bryant Park. Just threw it out there. So let's meet up in Bryant Park. I know why you're laughing. So we go to meet up in Bryant Park, and 220 people and the police showed up. Because, <laughs> you know, the Disney freaks, they get a little crazy. They, no, they thought we were Occupy Wall Street. So, <laughs> Very different sort of agendas, maybe, in what we were doing. Um, because it wasn't about the place, right? It wasn't about being in Walt Disney World. It was about bringing the people together. It was about bringing the experience together. My best friends, all collectively freaks, are people that I've met at events. People that are on my team have come from my events. I've seen three marriages come out of events which is like amazing to me. And now I'm getting invited to weddings for people that just happen to be meeting up at the events as well. Air quotes, the box people are Lou's listeners who regularly chat with Lou in the chat box of his weekly live Wednesday broadcast. At Podcast Movement 2014, Lou shared about the time when he told his wife he was going to try out this new video streaming thing down in the basement. I'm going to try this Ustream thing out with the webcam downstairs. And again, all those phrases mean nothing to her. I said, you know what, nobody's gonna show up, I'll be upstairs in 10 minutes. I posted something on my forums, I went downstairs, eight hours later my wife came down and she's like, what the hell are you doing? Who are you talking to? I hear you talking from, I'm like, I don't know, there's like 200 people watching. <laughs> and she's like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, I'm sitting here, and I'm eating, and I'm like, and it was amazing to me. Like, it was a complete, like, it was fascinating. And still, you know, Wednesday nights, she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know, we're just sort of chatting. But it's that idea that we're chatting among friends, right? They want to be part of something. All right, you've been doing live video long before the recent Periscope, Meerkat, you know, Facebook mentions craze that's come out. So what makes it especially powerful to you? For me, when the first time I tested it out in my basement in New Jersey in 2007 or so, and I told my wife it'd be 10 minutes, and six hours later I was still talking to a few hundred people, Again, it goes back to this idea that everything I was doing was a one-way push conversation. And yeah, it was neat to get feedback via email or in discussion forums or whatever it may be. But I wanted that real-time instantaneous feedback. And all of a sudden, that allowed me to get together with my tribe, no matter where they were, um, very easily with, with a, a click of a button. Mm. So has that, have you seen, you know, even as you've gone forward and you've progressed, that doing that regularly has really helped you? Absolutely. It, uh, it's one of the most important and valuable things that I do. Um, I've been live broadcasting every Wednesday night for as long back as I can remember. 
Uh, now I do it not just via Ustream, but via Periscope, and people find the platform that they're most comfortable you know, engaging on. Each has its pluses and minuses. But I love it, man. It jazzes me up because I do... It's an extension of what my mission was with the very first show I ever did, which was to make the listener feel like they are sitting around a table, like here at Panera, with some friends, talking about something that they really enjoy. That Being able to do it live gives them that feeling. They sit, they feel as though that Wednesday nights are the nights that we get together with friends and, and talk about Disney or whatever it may be. Right, cool. People want to feel as though they are part of something. That's why you guys bought Podcast Movement t-shirts, right? Because not because you, you want to necessarily just support the event, but you want to show people, I am part of this community. I am proud to be a podcaster. I was here in year one. You want to belong, you want to belong and you want to engage other people as well. Create a team. People want to be part of a team. Whether it's a team of runners, a team of volunteers, a team around you. Your audience loves what you do. They want to help you. You're all worried about outsourcing and how do I find them and what's it going to cost me? Go to your tribe. Most of the people that are on my team came from my audience. Recruit volunteers, do fundraising, have workshops, invite speakers, and you do these things, and you'd be surprised potentially what the media attention that you can get for the things that you are doing is. So what do you do before your event? You need to create places for people to go. You need to create destinations for them to go to. Promote it, not just on things like Facebook, and you need to create a Facebook event page, but on your home page, put a sign-up form or a place that they can go and register. Create tickets, use something like Eventbrite. Even if you give free, even if you make people register for free tickets, not only A, are you collecting there some of their information like email addresses, but more importantly, if you have a ticket, whether it's $0 or $5, whatever it is, people are more likely to attend, right? Promote it everywhere, ask for help. If you're coming to the meet, Spread the word, tell your friends, invite your friends to come along with you. Everybody is welcome. Remind them ahead of time so they don't forget. Give people a place to reconnect after the event is over. Whether it's a Facebook page, a discussion forum, wherever that platform is, let those people that were there come back together again somewhere online. Let them share their story. Let them be, and they just don't wanna hear how much you love, what a great event you put on, let them share their experiences there and share them not just with you and the people who were there, but with their friends. It seemed to me that there was a connection between writing and podcasting, but Lou wasn't buying it. You started as an author first. Is there a lot of hand-in-hand between being an author and writing and podcasting? You know, I'm going to say no, um, because I think I started podcasting because it was easier than writing. Um, you know, but I... I enjoy um, sharing information, but the podcast medium, I mean, the reason why I started back in 2005 was because I realized how much more powerful the spoken word was than anything that I could write because I couldn't convey emotion. I couldn't tell a story. You know, I think when we podcast, they can hear if you're smiling. They can hear if you're sad. They can hear if you're mad. And that doesn't translate as well in the written word. Um, plus, you don't make fat finger typos and things like that. Or if something just sort of comes to you, you can kind of kind of go with it. Um, and I want it to be more conversational. I think this, the, the way we consume it. So I don't think that you have to be an author first in order to be a podcaster. I don't think you have to be good at one in order to do the other. Well, that makes me feel a lot better. Then. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> you do the same show for five people that you should do for 50,000. You do the show for the one person that's listening. I always do it, and, I, and since the very first show, I've always wanted my audience to feel 
that they are sitting around a table at a diner, because I'm from Jersey, sitting around a table at a diner with friends talking about the things that make them happy about going to Walt Disney World. I talk to the one person that feels as though they're sitting at the table with me. All right, so you've obviously done a great job of building a, a following, I guess would be one way that people would say it, or, uh, or a community, I think is probably the best way to say it. What is your magic formula? You see, see what I did there? I did. Yeah. I got. I, yeah, I saw the magic. That's cute, wasn't it? Um, so I'm going to give you the secret. Okay. All right. I'm going to. The, the the magic formula is that there is no magic formula. There is no blueprint. There is no. And and I know this flies in the face of of what you know some other people preach, and that's okay because I think different things work for different people. I don't believe there's a formula. I don't believe that. Oh, if I do A, B, C, and D, it's going to work for me too. You said before that I was sort of charting my own course along the way. I didn't have a roadmap. I was literally like hacking my way through the jungle, figuring out, and I still am, figuring out as I go along. I see what works. I see what doesn't work. I don't pay attention to what other people are doing because it might not work for me, and I'm not going to base my business or my brand or I'm going to do what feels right for me. Um, so I think the formula is that, the, that there is no, there necessarily isn't a formula or blueprint. What could you have done early on that would have led you down the wrong path that you chose the right path instead? Uh, give up and, and not do it because it's scary. Um, and I hear even when I talk to, you know, somebody I was coaching last night, I was giving some ideas in terms of engaging people in person. And he was hemming and hawing and, and he's petrified. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable to go out and just start having conversations with people, even though he knows that, you know, deep down they're his tribe. Um, and, and I get that because it's not easy, um, especially if you're used to, you know, as many of us entrepreneurs and solopreneurs are, we're sitting in our houses by ourselves, often in a, you know, a third or fourth bedroom talking to ourselves. Um, you do need to sort of take that leap of faith and understand that there might not be any sort of quantifiable ROI, that first meetup, that second, that 10th, that 50th. Uh, but the importance of the relationships uh, that you're making is is, uh, is incredibly valuable, not just to you, but to your audience as well. Look, I hate the word fans. Like, I don't hate a lot of things. I hate the word fans. I don't like having a fan page. You treat your fans like they're your friends because that's how they look at you, right? Jamie talked about this morning. So many of the speakers say this morning. They come to events like this, and that you listen to their shows, and you can't wait to go up and meet them. And hand, I'm a hugger. I'm going to go up and hug them and thank them for what they do. That's how they look at you. So treat them like they're your friends, not like they're your fans. And if you do that, they will be incredibly loyal and incredibly engaged, and they will be your most important and active evangelists. I have spent zero, zero money on marketing or advertising anything I've ever done. Those people have done it for me. Not because I asked, but because they want to help out their friend. And the way you treat them is the way that they're going to respond, <clears throat> excuse me, in what they do. Be authentic. You need to just be authentic and be yourself. Because again, that's who people are gravitating to. That's who people like. That's who is their friend. And most importantly, I cannot stress this enough. Treat those people, whether it's one, 10, 10,000, or 100,000, treat each one of them as individuals. Treat them as your friend. Let them know that. Let them know that that's how you look at them. Treat those fans as friends, and I, I promise you that nothing, nothing 
beats a handshake and a hug. Take your stuff offline. Lou Mangiello is a Disney expert as well as a podcast and online business coach. You can find out more about Lou by going to loumangiello.com. I want to give a special thanks to Jared Easley, Dan Franks, Lou Mangiello, Maron Bereket, Bill Nowicki, Scott Perez-Fox, Daniel Bowling, Kevin Hutchinson, Nick Loper, and my daughter Elisa Orr, who was such a trooper in doing the promo for this episode. You can go to podcastmovement.com to find out more about Podcast Movement, the virtual ticket, and all the details about Podcast Movement 2016 in Chicago. I'll be there. I've been Brian Orr, and thank you for listening to Podcast Movement Sessions. This episode of Podcast <laughs> I don't like that finger in my face. I'm like... I know. Speaking and mentoring for... Uh, entrepreneurs and oh my god, I totally blew that. It's okay. <laughs> that sucks can, so can, bad. <laughs> I really do talk for Beep. a living. I swear. To you. <laughs> Sorry. Beep. <laughs> I love outtakes, man. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I like. I just looked at you. And I went completely like. How do I